That's what this felt like. We win the game 12 to 10. Cairo Santos hits the game winning field goal to, after Justin Fields' first ever game winning drive. They said that was his third career. I don't remember any other ones before that. And all the other wins we've had have been blowouts. Well, the the one uh, game winning drive that he had was from last season where Roquan Smith picked off a pass to put him into the red yeah, zone. Yeah, then, then we they kneeled and kicked the field goal yeah, basically okay. when we did this game. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I'll, we'll start with the positives. Yeah. Defense played fantastic. Phenomenal. That was, I mean, we ended the whole, I was getting kind of tired of the whole Josh Dobbs pastronaut thing. We ended that. I mean, four picks, sacked twice. I mean, it's 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 wonderful to see a guy we traded for, then paid, play like that. Montez Sweat, very good game. Three tackles, sack and a half, a TFL, two QB hits. Very good game. Then we had the young guys. This, to me, was my, the biggest uh, takeaway from the, our defense. Terrell Smith had eight solo tackles. He played a very good game. I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. I like him more than Tyreek Stevenson, mm-hmm. to be honest. If he didn't get mono, he would be our, our starting corner opposite uh, uh, Jalen. And we go to Jalen. Very good game. Dropped in our pick six, but he caught one. I, I, I have a nickname for him. I'll tell you when we're off the air, <laughs> but it describes him perfectly. <laughs> Kyler Gordon, another active game. Very good in run support. You know, I don't blame him for taking off his helmet when his face mask got ripped off. That was absurd. We'll have a talk about the NFL refs after I mean, talk about the Bears. I mean, they actually showed him. The receiver just really yanked his helmet off. That was not called. But then we look at the D-line. We see Gervon Dexter, who for a, qu- a quarter quarter and a half was unblockable. Mm-hmm. It's a shame they don't count sacks on two-point conversions. He already has a sack this year. He should have had two more of this game, but that's our nose tackle for the next eight years. Beast. Jaquan Brisker, best game of the season, half a sack, interception, first on the year, looked great. Wasn't playing with the death wish either, like that. And I mean, what what do you what do you not like from this deal? That was a great performance. Four I mean, take takeaways. Watch watching this game, this is the most under control this defense has looked. Yes. In the past yes. three seasons, I would say. And that's a huge step Without forward. Without a doubt. Um, you know, and that that's adding on to what last week's performance was as well. The Bears went from one of the worst teams in the league in turnovers <coughs> to now top, I think they're top 15 now in the league yeah. in turnovers in a matter of two weeks. That is phenomenal growth. Better than anything I have seen from this team over the last five years from any player, any part of this team. It's great. Yeah, takeaways wise, this is the best we've been since 2018. Now, I would like to stop being positive yeah. and talk about why none of that matters in this game because Luke Getze is the single worst coach I have ever seen coach a football team. I am sorry to anything I had said to Matt Canada before this because Luke Getze is single-handedly trying to destroy the Chicago Bears team. Once again, for the second straight week, an NFC North opponent gave the Chicago Bears every opportunity to destroy them. And Luke Getze took every single opportunity that they gave to him and sent it right back to the Minnesota Vikings sideline. The Bears had four turnovers and scored three points off of those turnovers. They threw 37 times, and 21 of those passes were at or behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, the average depth of target was 0.8 yards. There was one play in the second-to-last drive that the Chicago Bears had where 
everybody and their mothers that were watching the game, that were on the sideline of the game, that were on the field for that play, knew a screen pass to DJ Moore was coming. Because they lined up in the exact same formation they have all season. All season. And tried to run the same exact play. How in any world do you think that was going to work on that play? I have no clue. It is absolutely absurd that this man is still coaching for the team today. That he was able to get on that plane after that win and come back to Chicago. They should have left him on the tarmac in Minnesota. In the cold. No jacket. No bag. Take his bag with Naked. I am so beyond upset with all of this. This team has proven to us the past two weeks that they can win more than four games this season. And they Luke can be Getze, a playoff team. And Luke Getze himself has also proven to me that he has no idea what he is doing or he is purposely losing games for this team. He is the main issue. And the fact that Eberflus is allowing him to do this as well and is standing behind him every single week is just as absurd. I watched Matt Canada and Frank Reich get fired for less than what Luke Getze is doing right now for this team. Frank Reich had no talent on his team at all, and he got fired midway through the season. Matt Canada, yeah, he has his issues, but that team had moments where they at least looked competent while he was the coordinator. The Bears have not once, besides the Washington game this season, looked like an actual competitive football team on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. And it is his fault. Looks like to me, whenever I watch them, it feels like they're always playing in a deficit in a way because the defenses, they never have to think or they never get fooled. Like, they just, like, remember when we were talking about the Lions game, Brian Branch would just line up, walk up, and then just sprint into the backfield mm-hmm. without thinking, without looking at anything, without reading anything, and just tackle our quarter, our running back uh, while, before, right when he gets the handoff. Like, the whole game, I didn't understand this. So, Brian Flores is the most blitz-heavy defensive coordinator in the league. They blitz more than anyone else. They blitz, like, all these blitz looks, they're blitzing the backers. So, there's no one in the middle of the field. No one. And all we're throwing is outbreaking outside routes, outside the numbers. All we had to do was just put DJ in the slot, have him run like a post or even like a Matt Nagy hitch. A slant. Do slant. the most basic slant play. The, the quickest throw you can do. And no, we didn't do that once. We, not even once. And when we did, we had Komet doing it. Mm-hmm. He was like a slow, you know, what? he was a tight end. That, that's exactly what I was going to say next. There was another play in that same drive where they ran the, the screen pass where DJ Moore does like this little out route and Cole Komet is the one running a slant in the middle of the field. And their linebackers on top of him the whole way. The cornerback is completely on top of DJ Moore because he has nowhere else to go. Why would he ever run a slant in the middle of the field? And they throw it to him and the cornerback's all over him. And with these, with these screens that we do, It'd be one thing if we line up, you know, like DJ and like Mercedes Lewis or someone like that. We have Mooney out there blocking. Mooney. Has, I love Mooney. He's 160 pounds. He looks like when he is out there on those plays, looks like he has never blocked anybody in his career. And I do not blame him for I that. I don't blame it. He's not a blocker. He's the 5'10", 165-pound wide receiver. He should be getting the ball. We don't even use him anymore. Like, we don't have a second receiver in this offense. Like, we don't – he's very talented. He's been the guy – he's had a 1,000-yard season for us before. We don't even use him anymore. 
It's kind of ridiculous. They they were showing his uh, stats in the middle of the game for his yards per game. Yeah, it's every way year down this career. year. His second year in the career, he had a 61 average. Yeah, he had That's over 1,000 yards of three different quarterbacks throwing to him that year. Awesome. He's a very talented receiver that we are going to lose this offseason because of the incompetence of this team and this coaching staff. It doesn't make any sense. The one time we did throw it in the middle of the field, we got a 30-yard completion to our best receiver. Because and the one he's time wide we open threw it in the field. That wasn't a screen. We had a 15-yard play first down. Why are we not doing this and then, all the time? Then they have this hesitancy to commit to Roshan. Oh. Second be- second game in a week where he's been by far our best running back. He ran a good all night. He was breaking tackles. He was catching the ball. And we just refused to give it to him. I, I don't know what Khalil Herbert is holding over the coaching staff's head that is keeping him getting carries as much as he does. He is not that good. He's solid. He's not... He's not as talented as Roshan. Roshan Johnson has so much of a higher ceiling. He catches the ball better. He runs harder. Everything about him just looks better. And then we continue handing the ball off to either Khalil Herbert or running QB power with Justin Fields for no reason, just to get him killed for no reason. It doesn't make any sense to me. Nothing about this offense makes any sense to anybody. My mom, who barely watches football, could watch that game and say, yeah, what are they thinking? The cornerback on that same screenplay that I'm thinking about, I think it was Cam Bynum, literally turns around and looks at his sideline and is like, really? This is this is what they're doing? He goes, okay, and lines up and makes the tackle right away. We made Josh Metellus look like the greatest safety Josh in the Metellus entire Josh is the best league. safety I've ever seen in my life. Based off the two Bears games I've seen this year, it's ridiculous. Absolutely. Like, absurd. they don't have anyone special in their second. They got Cam Bynum, Josh Metellus. Metellus doesn't even start for them, really. He's like their third safety that they were talking about. And because they don't like to do, instead of going three corners, two safeties, they go three safeties, two corners. Plus, Metellus is very versatile. Mm-hmm. Who else do they even hit? Like Byron Murphy? A 90-year-old Harrison Smith? There's no one special. We were making them look like all-stars. Justin Fields, when he was actually given time in the pocket and didn't have a screen pass, was throwing it very well. Second game in order, he looked very controlled in the pocket. The, the, only, the only issue I had with Justin Fields this game in regards to his passing was that there was a few plays where he still held on to the ball oh, way longer you, than yes. he needed to. There was one play where I don't, you couldn't see the routes from where he was looking, but they showed a clip of him like in the pocket from like a little bit behind him, and you could see just the edge of the screen where the receivers had stopped. And Tyler Scott had nobody around him for like 10 yards and Justin Fields is sitting in the pocket and like a clean pocket. This is one of the best pockets he's had all game, all season. And he is sitting there scanning the field, taking 10 years to scan the field. Yeah. He has to get better at that at some point. Eventually. It's been three, three seasons now, basically where he has not improved once on that. It's so frustrating. And part of that I think is it goes back to the coaching staff. These are the little things that the coaching staff needs to work on. They need to find ways for these receivers to get open because there's also plays where the receivers just stop running. Yeah. That's that's a good 50% of the reason Justin Fields holds the ball, and people don't see that. The receivers will just stop their routes. And the the one time they do open up their route, the play that Darnell Mooney uh, escaped back out to the left sideline, Justin Fields almost got him murdered on that play by Josh Metellus again. Yeah, he has to be better at that stuff. That my biggest thing with him at this point is ball security. Mm-hmm. His ball security is the worst in the league. He's, he has he has like forty some career fumbles since he's been with the Bears. 
It's getting ridiculous. And it doesn't help that he's our leading rusher in those, but at the same time, if you're going to be our leading rusher, if you know the game plan is put towards you running the ball and you are prepared to run outside of the pocket when the pocket breaks down, you have to be able to carry the ball too. He he almost lost us that, that game on those last two fumbles. I thought we were, to be honest. I was so ready to I was ready, break the TV. I was early. ready to just, <laughs> Yeah. It would have been a long night. The beer fridge would have been attacked. <laughs> Destroyed. Absolutely <That's>... demolished. <laughs> um, looking at this game, and this is the question that people have been asking all week, and the mixed performance that Justin Fields had in this game, and I'm going to ask you this every week until the decision is made, is he the answer still? What, what do you say after this game? What, what is the direction this Bears team needs to go on offense? Is it, is it just a teardown? Is it only the coaches? What is, what is the issue here? After watching that game plan, I would say whatever happens, we need to let, get rid of Luke Getzey. That's first and foremost. doesn't matter who we have, a quarterback. It's not going to look good if we have him calling the I, I'm tra- If anything, I'm trading Luke Getzey to Taco Bell for a Crunchwrap Supreme, and I'm putting a headset on that Crunchwrap Supreme, and I think he calls the game better than Luke Getzey does. I just want a large Pepsi from Taco Bell. <laughs> That's all I need. They can have him. I was going to say no, but then he led the game-winning drive. It's just we all know he's talented enough to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I don't want to start over. I don't want to have to use one of these top five picks on a quarterback. If we gave, like, think about how how much he has improved this year. He went from 126 yards a game last year to 200 this year. Mm -hmm. And we basically took away any second, third receiver, and all we have is DJ Moore. If you get him a Marvin Harrison, think about how much better he would be. We go get Olu Fashonu, made you know, sign a Connor Williams a free agency at center. Tell me how he wouldn't be awesome. We know he can run the ball. We know that. Prior to him hurting his uh, thumb, he was on pace to break all of our single season passing records. He's already broken all of our single season rushing yards records. I just think he's. We all know he's talented enough. We've seen it. We've seen it for whole games, quarters, halves. Multiple game stretches. A month last year, you know, three games in a row this year. I would say yes. And I don't really trust, like, Caleb Williams. He just had, uh, he refused to talk to the media after the season was over. Uh, that's not something a franchise quarterback does. Joe Burrow did a press conference the day after he hurt his thumb. They knew his season was over. Kirk Cousins is out there giving away gifts to charity and giving out meals to kids after he tears his Achilles. Yeah. Caleb Williams paints his nails and cries on his mom's shoulder in the middle of a game. You're telling me he can survive Chicago when it's minus 20 outside? You're in sack six times, and then you're going to have to deal with reporters afterwards? And Jordan Love puts up four touchdowns against your one touchdown to two picks? Yeah. There's no way he would survive that. And then Luke May, I like Luke May, but I don't like him enough to get rid of Fields. And then anyone after that, I'm not getting rid of Fields. I like Penix, but he's... 24. None of their ceilings. He's made out of peanut brittle. If we draft him, we have to go out and sign four new offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. So, other than that, there's no one else even worth bringing up, really. Mm-hmm. Unless I did see one case scenario where we trade fields, 
we don't draft a quarterback with the first or fifth overall picks, and then we just go for like an experienced guy in Bo Nix. I'd take the way Bo Nix has been playing so far at the end of this season. He is slowly becoming one of my favorite quarterbacks in this draft. Yeah. Um, and I think he's a guy you could grab early second round even. Yeah. Wait wait until then. Because I wouldn't mind doing that where we do, we get an Olu, a Marvin Harrison, and we draft him. You're telling me he wouldn't be able to do decent things with all that? Mm-hmm. DJ Moore and Roshan and Khalil Herbert and Tevin Jenkins and the boys? But the, the other thing is, like, if, if I'm answering this question – Justin Fields, I I don't want to give up on him. Yeah, neither do I. I I can't say that I would be disappointed that much if the Bears gave up on him. I would I think I would understand where they are coming yeah, from, especially if they're it. bringing in an entire new front office, which the way Kevin Warren has been talking lately kind of seems like they're bringing in an entire new front office and coaching staff. Like everything's going to change for the Chicago Bears team. He wants to bring in his guys, that was the quote. Yeah. Um Unless that is the case, I would I would ride with Justin Fields, personally. He's, to your point before, has shown so far this season that within uh, seven games played that he is probably the – this is the best season a Bears quarterback has had. Yeah. And it's not, it's not a great season. So the ceiling is there. We just need to build around him. There's got to be something that has to change on that sideline and in the guys in front of him for this Bears team to ever reach that potential that Justin Fields has. My only concern is that the Bears won't do that. Yeah. And I think that is everybody's concern going into this offseason. Everybody is saying that there's all the memes. There's the Jurassic Park meme where they have uh, Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison over the kids and the Raptors looking in the window and it's got the Chicago <laughs> Bears logo yeah. on it. And I, I don't blame people for making those jokes because that's how it has been for the past few years. You have to change something in that front office, on that sideline, to change the mentality of this team that has been down ever since John Fox came into town, if I'm being honest. We had two years of confidence with Matt Nagy, and then that went went uh, H-E double hockey sticks, too. Yes. You know, it's just something has to change in the culture of this organization for Justin Fields to flourish. That's where I think Kevin Warren comes in. Because he didn't hire these guys. I think with Ted Phillips being gone, he's our president. He was with the Big Ten. That was the best Big Ten ever was. He knows how to lead. I think this offseason is the end of the offseason where we figure it out. We don't have the old guys anymore. We don't have, yeah, McCaskey still own it, but we don't have Michael McCaskey running it. We don't have Ted Phillips. We don't have Jerry Angelo. Those, those guys. It's all new guys. It's all fresh blood. There's going to be a new coach and a new GM. Do you see a world, and this is kind of something that um, I had been questioning, because I, I think that obviously they're going to get rid of everybody on the coaching staff. The front office has a chance to go. Do you see a world where the McCaskies may not be the owners in the next five years? We know when they're going to do it. They're going to do it when Virginia passes away. Mm-hmm. That's all the rumblings. That's all the rumors when she passes, they're selling. Mm-hmm. You got to remember, the McCaskies, they weren't the Hallis family. They were the ones that married into the Hallis. They're just a normal family. Mm-hmm. They're not a football. It's not the Hallis bloodline. The Hallis bloodline ended in 1970 when Muggsy Hallis died unexpectedly. He was the guy that was supposed to take it over. 
Because of that, Virginia's kids had to take it over because they only had Virginia and Muggsy. Muggsy, I believe, died of like a his appendix burst or something like that, or was a heart attack, stroke, something very sudden. So then because of that, the McCaskies then took over the team. And where it all went south is Michael McCaskey. Michael McCaskey took over the team in 1983. And 83, that's when we hired Ditka. We had George Valeri, I believe was his, or GM's name. He was Hall of Fame GM, basically. And he never liked him because he always wanted to be the smartest guy in the room. He obviously wasn't. And then once he ran... Valeri out of town, and then eventually did cut. It was fully the McCaskies. It was no longer the Hallis bloodline guys that were running it. Yet, and then that was around the early '90s when we stuck in. We're stuck in '85, and everyone else is evolving, <laughs> and we've been bad ever since. We've been stuck in '85 since then. Even Martellus Bennett made a good point about it. How the Bears, as you saw, he's like, look at what they did in the free agency. They got two linebackers. They want to sell that nostalgia model of the defense is going to win it and our linebackers are going to win it because they did it in 85 and the early 2000s. He's like, when I was there, that's what they tried doing. Didn't work. <laughs> it, it doesn't make sense because, sure, you can you can live in the 2000s. That was the resurgence of the middle linebacker and that like leader of that group. Nowadays, it is so very obviously the edge rusher that is the leader of the defense. Yes. And you see Montez Sweat, ever since he's been here, our defense looks pretty darn good. And and that's Montez Sweat isn't a top five pass rusher in the league. He's just above average. You know, he's he's good. He, he's not he's not a you know a, a Bosa or a TJ Watt, Miles Garrett. He's just an above average, you know, Pro Bowl level guy. Mm-hmm. And you see the difference that he has made on this defense. Yeah. His pass rush has single handedly <laughs> and I have seen it with my own two eyes. His pass rush has improved every single person's pass coverage behind him. And everyone else's pass rush. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, Justin Jones looks like a formidable three technique. Gervon's a beast now. Mm-hmm. I've seen some signs of life from Ngakwe. Mm-hmm. I mean, behind him, TJ Edwards has gone from what I thought was one of the worst pass coverage linebackers in the league to, so far, having three picks in three games and looking phenomenal. Yeah. Because he doesn't have to sit on a route that is going to take three seconds to develop. He can't guard that. He's not guarding a cornerback running a corner route on him or a a flip route. He can't do that. So if you allow him to cover for one second, one and a half seconds, two seconds, versus the three to four seconds, it makes a world of difference for him. You know? If you don't force Kyler Gordon and Jalen Johnson to be tacklers rather than coverage guys, you see what happens. Yeah, we can play a little bit more man. You allow them to be who they are instead of forcing them to run these zones where they have to sit back because the team knows that they're not going to get any pass rush and that the quarterback is going to have at least three seconds in the pocket every time. So you can't risk running man because if you do that with the cornerbacks that we have, like, in a pocket that's clean, it's not going to look good. So you allow them to run a quick man, a little press, that forces a quarterback like Josh Dobbs, who isn't the most experienced in this league, who isn't the most talented in this league, to make mistakes. What they are doing in that realm of things is a good growth for this team and a good change in direction than what we have been seeing. So I'm glad that's happening. 
we need to do the same thing on offense now. Yeah, that's why I'm saying we go out, we get a Marvin Harrison. With that second pick, I'd get a lot too, just to fully fortify that defense. And then we go out, we sign a Connor Williams. Maybe sign a left tackle. I like Braxton. Braxton's played well this year. He's improved on his uh, going against bolt rushes. That was his main thing we talked about after his rookie. He's gotten better. He got stronger in the lower body. That's what he needed to do. That's what the scout said. That's what he did. I'm fine if we bring him back for another year. I can live with that. But we addressed the offensive line played fine last mm-hmm. night. It was just they blitzed seven guys. They're going to get through. Mm-hmm. It was a running back and a linebacker. We got we got Darnell Wright. We got Tevin Jenkins. Those guys are one around for the next 10 years. Which, quick side note, why is Tevin Jenkins on our field goal unit? And why is he getting hurt on our field goal unit? I'm glad he shook it off. I, I was happy. I got worried there for a second. Why is he on our field goal unit? Because we don't. <laughs> we're not we're not the Jimmy special. We're the special Jimmy. <laughs> he is our number one offensive lineman, and this man is the edge on our field goal unit. Of course he's gonna go out there and get hurt. What are you thinking? Yeah. Sign one more guy. Put, put a defen- anyone out there. Put a backup defensive tackle out there. Put put Billings out there. Not our number one offensive lineman. That was absurd to me. Yeah, quick side when part. I saw that, I was and they, they have him on like the the far edge, Exterior. the far left I was edge. Like, what are you doing? Why is he on the edge? That's where your third string tight end is supposed to be, not Tevin Jenkins. <laughs> Darnell Wright's going to be the one of the best right tackles in the league by the end of the season. Um, I saw a post today by, I think it was Bleacher Report, that was ranking their best youngsters in the league. And Darnell Wright had the right tackle position locked up for them. Without a doubt. He's a beast. He's better than Paris Johnson. Mm-hmm. We picked the right guy. Mm-hmm. Paris Johnson struggled this year. Wright only gets better every week. Yeah. We have those two. Braxton's a good young guy. Go get a center. I mean, Lucas Patrick made Shel- I thought it was like 2016. Sheldon Day looked like he was back in North. That was- I haven't heard his name since 2019. I didn't know he was in the league. I know everything. <laughs> I didn't know he was in the league. He was slap swimming and just juking Patrick like it was nothing. Davis, when he's in the right state of mind, and he's not, <laughs> he's not do, being Nate Davis, is a solid guard. If we literally just got a center, a true center that can snap the ball accurately, Soffit's line would be very solid. Well, uh, uh, beyond just snapping the ball accurately. Blocking. Blocking, and your center is that leader of the offense line. Yeah. And what the vibe I get from Cody Whitehair right now is that he's done. He yeah. he wants to be retired. I love Whitehair. We love him. He's done. He's not the leader of this offense right now. And, he's on the bench. And the best the best leader on your team, in my opinion, on offense, has to be your center. Yes. Like Owen Crutes back in the day. Mm-hmm. You look at Jason Kelsey now. Yeah. That team wins games even when Jason Kelsey is messing up. And we'll talk about the Eagles game in a, in a little while later in the show. Game of the year. But Jason Kelsey messed up two times in a row on that last drive and then went on to make the game-winning block. Yeah. It was one of the most beautiful Center pulls I've ever Center is the seen. most underrated position in the game of football. Mm-hmm. To me, you cannot win a championship if you don't have a good center. I think center is more important than left tackle. I agree. I think – Physicality wise, and like just watching a game, yeah, left tackle is probably a little more important. But to what a center does for in terms the, of just as a football team, going going back to culture, what a 
true leader at center can do for a team is change the entire vibe for that team. Yes. It all we've said it multiple times on the show. Every football coach has said it since the dawn of time. It starts up front. It and starts with the center. It starts with the guy with the ball first. He snaps the ball every play. He calls the protections. He gets the whole line together. He calls the huddle. He's the second smartest guy on the offense behind the Without quarterback. Without a doubt. Sometimes he's smarter than the quarterback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a few teams this season that the center's smarter than the quarterback. Yep. <laughs> I mean, when, when I played, especially in high school, that was the case. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah, I mean, you look at look at the Super Bowl last year. You got Kelsey, number one rated center. Mm-hmm. Chiefs, Creed Humphrey, number two rated center. <laughs> oh, you you you. And both the, those teams have two of the best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. You want to look at a team like the Cleveland Browns, who have just an extremely solid offensive line and a leader at center, and they can win games because even if their quarterback situation isn't looking great. They're out there having to want run P.J. Walker again, sadly. I don't know how he keeps finding his way onto the field. Bears legend. But, Six touchdowns and 16 picks in his career. I don't know how he does it. But a team like that can still wait on water when they have a defense that controls the other team's offense and an offensive line and a center that can lead the team still. It all starts up front, and the Bears have to focus on that. Because Justin Fields doesn't make any development if, one, the coaching staff is fi- isn't fired, and, two, if the O-line isn't addressed. I feel like he always has to tell the center what to do. Mm-hmm. Like, we haven't given we – we had Mustafer. <clears throat> whose own mom tells him what to do still. <laughs> then we had – this last year we've had Patrick Feeney Whitehair. So we got three, three washed guys at center and a career backup. Uh-huh. I mean, Feeney, I don't even know why they put him in against Detroit. He had, he's had he been here since August. He had no clue what to do. None whatsoever. He was giving that deer in the headlights look. You can tell he just wanted to go home. When he when Lucas Patrick got in, you, you can tell he was like, yes. Yes. It's, it's so frustrating watching them just... Just not be able to do the simple things. And that's, you, you that's need, really what holds this offense back is the little things. And you need somebody who can control that and do the little things and tell other people to do the little things. Because look at it. We got a rookie at right tackle. We got a second-year guy left tackle who can't F and C. Or his backup who's a third-year guy who barely has played the past two seasons before that. Max Jones can't F and C. That was the funniest thing I've ever seen. I thought he was like mad. I, at, at I was the call or something. so confused. We have clarification now, but seeing that live, whatever brain cells I had, gone. So you got those two at tackle. You have Tevin Jenkins at left guard, who's a little bit of a loose cannon. He seems to be a little colorful from the outside looking in. Then you have Nate Davis. Whose I say acts pretty feminine at times. He had to go get dinner with Eberflus twice during training camp. Didn't go to minicamp because he had personal issues. Missed two games because he had personal issues. That's you have it right guard. At center, you need a guy that can just wrangle them all up. 
Reel them in. Calm them down. You need a mature veteran. Mm-hmm. Who would you be targeting? In- Connor Williams comes to mind first. Similar scheme. Veteran playing better. Uh, I believe Ethan Poches is a free agent this year. You're that or if I'm going to go draft, I'm going Cedric Von Prat from Georgia. Athletic, experienced, championship pedigree. That's the guy you'd like to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Von Prat. I, this is completely out of the realm of possibility, but hey, he's a free agent. Jason Kelsey. He's not coming. Get back. him on a Jeff Saturday deal. Come on now. <laughs> I would love that, but he's retiring. After watching his documentary, uh, he he made the right decision coming back this year. Yeah, but he shouldn't have. I mean, you, it will rear its ugly head in five years. Yeah, you you watch what he's doing this season, and you would think that man has a whole number another three years. Of yeah, like ready he, to, he's still tank. he hasn't inclined at all. It's just his body can't take the beating anymore. Yeah, that's I, all it is. So like. That would be, that would be insane. Could you imagine the Chicago Bears? He's not leaving the Eagles. He'll never leave the Eagles. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I would love it. Of course, with us knowing our luck, he'd probably get hurt in training camp. Yeah, exactly. It'd be a oh, what's a Josh Sitton, yeah. whole Josh Sitton situation. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> that was delightful. <laughs> made me real happy. Um, made me happy. Made me smile. Looking at the rest of the schedule for the Chicago Bears, based off of this game, the Bears have. The Detroit Lions again. They got the Cleveland Browns after that. The Arizona Cardinals, the Atlanta Falcons, and the Packers to end the season. What's the record out of that? After winning this game, like it really just makes me even more mad that we blew that lead against Detroit. Because think about it. If we win that game, we're 5-7 and seven and one game out of the sixth seed. Mm-hmm. Like the, the back end of the NFC is collapsing. Seattle, 6-5, and five, they're not winning their next three games. They have a very they're not winning. They're going they're gonna be six and eight. The Vikings are coming back down to earth. The the only team that's really surging is the Packers. They're the only ones that are making some kind of noise. Hopefully that stops the Chiefs this week. <laughs> Hopefully. So I see that. If our defense plays like that, we get a little healthier after this bye week. Why can't we I say we beat the Lions? I say we beat the Falcons. Desmond Ritter is going to just explode. We beat the Cardinals. Cardinals are terrible. If if they got PJ Walker, we need to beat the Browns. You have to. Like I really you have like to. I really can't see why we can't win out. Based on these past 2 weeks for the Chicago Bears, they have been what the Cleveland Browns have been all season. Yeah. You have to win that game to prove that that's not where you're going. That that's not where you're going to end up with for the next 3 years. I don't want to be the Cleveland Browns for the next three years. I want to be a team that can actually make some noise. And you start that by beating the Cleveland Browns in that game. You look at the Cardinals. you got to beat the Cardinals, too. You have to. You have to. That's another team that you have to make a point against to prove that there's some kind of hope for this team. Out of, out of these last five games that the Bears have, what record would be reasonable for you to say that you're happy with this team and the direction it is going and what would be the record that you would say all right we have to make some serious changes i 
Anything less than eight wins. I'm getting rid of everybody. I'm getting rid of Iberflus even if they go eight and nine. Yeah, Iberflus and Getsy have to be done after the season. At least after the season. They're terrible. They should be fired. They should have been fired this morning if it were up to me. I can live with Iberflus. I can't live with Getsy. <laughs> He's got to be gone. So at least Iberflus can call defense. Mm-hmm. We'll give him some credit. He can call defense, and he hasn't lost locker room. And the way the defense has looked since he's taken over has been has much been better. Much better. I'm glad they arrested Al Williams. <laughs> Twenty five to life for him. <laughs> That's what I think we're gonna do. I think we're gonna lose to the Packers. Pains me in my heart. And I, I already know that game is going to be the game that the Packers clinch the playoffs with. Oh, They're going to celebrate on us. It's, it's going to be. <laughs> se- whoever wins this game is the seventh seed. They just kill us. <laughs> and I see us losing to the Browns. Our offense will just play too bad. Mm-hmm. And wild card here, wild card. First three games of last year, guess who was leading the league in passing? Who's that? That'd be a man who's quite elite, <laughs> Joe Flacco. <laughs> if I'm the Browns, I see DTR with that bloody face, and I see good old our good old gap tooth friend, PJ Walker. I'm going with elite Joe Flacco. <laughs> I'm just seeing what happens. If he plays like he did last year, there's a reasonable chance that, first off, if he plays like he did last year at the Jets, he's better than Deshaun Watson. If they get that Joe Flacco with this offense, Joe Flacco might be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> he could lead them to the promised land. <laughs> That's how good I believe this team is. So I think we're going a solid 7-10. and 10. Mm-hmm. Boot. All these guys out here. Yeah. Because knowing the Bears, they're not going to win out. We know the Bears. We know this team too well. They're not going to win out. We should win out. I mean, if we just didn't blow those two giant leads, we'd be 6-6 six and six with six, the seven seed right now. We'd be like, hey, this is great. Fields is our answer. Bring back Getze and uh, Paul, uh, Eberflus. They're okay. Everything's great. I love my life. I'm happy. But we're not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, personally, I think the Lions are going to come out real angry this next week. Um. Uh, after the bye week, I think it's going to be a bloodbath in that game. I think the Lions, again, are going to just... I think they're going to beat the Saints. They're gonna, they play the Saints this week. I think they're going to come in lackadaisical again against us. All right. I just... Fields has their number. Yeah. He does. I think we win that game. I just personally, I'm, I'm giving Dan Campbell the coach of the year already. I don't... I don't even after that Bears game where he uh, had a little bit of a meltdown, uh, and then the, the the Packers game where he had a little bit of a meltdown too, even beyond that, I'm still giving him the coach of the year. And I don't see him having that same kind of meltdown again. And I, I see Jared Goff, you know, I think a lot of people are questioning whether he really is the starter after the past three weeks and if he's going to be the starter of the future for this team. I think he has a lot to prove going into this game. Um. I think just a divisional win is important for a Lions team like this, especially since the division is starting to look a little better than I think people were expecting it to. Yeah. Um, Vikings. Get Kirk back. Addison. Justin Jefferson back. Jefferson. Hawkinson. Beef up the O-line. Add to the 
keep Brian Flores, mm-hmm. he's going to get a head coaching job. But if he doesn't, you got to pay him. Add to that defense. Tell me why they can't be a Super Bowl contender. Mm-hmm. If Kirk didn't get hurt, they would have won this division. Let's keep talking about the Vikings here for a little bit. Um, after this game, Josh Dobbs comes back down to earth. Thank liter- God. Literally and <laughs> metaphorically. Him and his alien parents. <laughs> That's when I stopped liking Josh Dobbs. When his parents were at the game, they looked like they didn't even want to be there. They're like, why don't you write NASA, Joshua? <laughs> you could be changing the world, Joshua. You could be lying to the public every day about going to the moon. Um, after this game, a pretty pitiful game from them, to say the least. Again, they gave the Bears every opportunity to win this football game. Yeah. Um, besides their defense stepping up at the end of the game there. what What is the ceiling for this Vikings team for the rest of the season? People thought they were going to look hot, going to sneak into the playoffs. Do you still see them sneaking into the playoffs even after a game yeah. like this? Seattle's going to Seattle's gonna implode. It's not looking good for them. They look worse every week. I think that with that Seattle imploding, they, they're going to be the sixth seed. They're not even going to be the seventh seed. They're going to be the sixth seed. You get Justin Jefferson back and a bye, that's a sixth seed. I mean, you, you look at their schedule. They have a very similar schedule to the Bears left. They have the Raiders, who are a mediocre team at best. You have the Bengals, who their offense is mediocre at best right well, now. Their offense is terrible without Burrow. <laughs> Then you have the Lions twice and the Packers in between those two games. It's a very similar schedule. They'll split with the Lions. Barring Jordan Love playing like he did on Thanksgiving, they beat the Packers. Yeah. And they beat the Raiders. Um, What kind of effect do you think a guy like Justin Jefferson brings back to this team, and how much do you think that changes their chances? He's the best receiver in the league. Get him the ball. But then that'll only make it easier for Addison. And Hawkinson. And Hawkinson. Josh Dobbs could sling it. It makes it, it's like having two extra guys out there. Yeah. It's like playing 13 on 11. Because no matter who you put up against Jefferson, you can't cover him. I don't care. Jair Alexander held him to one catch in week 16 of 2022. I don't care. They were up 40. <laughs> like they had Nick Mullins in the game. I don't care. No one could cover him. And, I mean, based on this season, TJ Hawkinson, I would say, is the best tight end in the league, at least receiving-wise, right now. You know, Travis Kelsey has taken a little bit of a little bit of a fall off this season. He might retire. I, I posted it on your TikTok. You had posted something about how he was talking about the 10 in, uh, surgeries he's had that people haven't heard about. That would be a great story for the Kelsey brothers to retire together. I think they've proven that they are two of the greatest players of the 2010s and 2020s. Two of, might be two of the greatest players of all time at their positions. Yeah. It would be a great story for them to go out. But going back to the Vikings and TJ Hawkinson, he's stepping right on into that Travis Kelsey spot. As Ooh, yeah. The, one of the most dependable, not just tight ends, receivers in the What's league. What's in the water in Iowa? No idea. No. Him, Kittle, Laporta, Robert Tunyon was solid for a little bit there. Uh, Noah Fant. What's in the water? They just, that tight end. I don't, I don't know what they do out there. They don't do anything else on offense besides having a beast tight end. I think part of it is that 
when you train guys to be that good of blockers and on a team that is so utterly atrocious in Iowa that it gives them so much more hunger hunger and then room to grow in the NFL. They have this certain moldability to them as receivers going into the NFL. And in, like, TJ Hawkinson's case, he was never really the best blocker. He was always kind of a receiver. But you look at a guy like George Kittle, where he comes in mostly to be a blocking tight end. That's what they basically drafted him as. A guy with blocking ability that had a receiving upside. But you give him that kind of moldability, the just pure size and athletic ability of the tight ends in general nowadays helps add on to that. It's just when you solidify the secondary part of their game, the NFL can help you add on to that first part of their game, especially the way the NFL passing game is nowadays. Even with the mediocre quarterback play throughout the league, your tight end can still get you 600 yards a season if you play your cards right. And then a guy like an Iowa tight end, a guy like TJ Hawkinson, you help build that rapport with their quarterback and their ability to catch the ball, that's a thousand yard guy every year. You get a George Kittle, that's a thousand yard guy every year. A team like the Lions who have a guy like Amon or St. Brown that can take a little attention away from Sam Laporta allows him to grow into a player that can get, first of all, 800 yards this season maybe, and then the next few years get back into the 1,000-yard club while he's still already a solidified blocker. Yeah. Iowa just knows what they're doing. They they can't do anything else, so you might as well train them at what you think you can do. And it works out. I yeah. love to see it. Yeah. Um, looking at the future of this Vikings team, who's playing quarterback next season? Are they resigning Kirk? They want to resign Kirk. Um, O'Connell, O'Connell said it. Dobbs, most of Dobbs played like fantastically. The rest of you, you don't go with him. Uh-huh. Let him go somewhere else. He's a free agent anyway. I think you resign Kirk, but you draft like his guy in the second round. Who who would you draft if you're the Vikings? Who are you looking at? Well, let's see. Shadur's not coming out. So Quinn Ewers, I guess, isn't coming out. I, I wouldn't if I were him after this season. So, a little thinner. I mean, if McCarthy's there in the second round, I wouldn't mind if they traded up in the second round to go get McCarthy. Because I feel, or Bo Nix, if he's there, mm-hmm. I'd go with Bo Nix. That's a solid guy to invest in. Because we know Williams is going to be gone. Drake May is going to be gone. At this point, Penix will most likely be gone. McCarthy, he, he's a guy that could fall. I don't think he's going to, the combine won't be his best friend. He's not that big of a guy. He's very slender. They won't like that. He's a little streaky throwing the ball. They won't like that. And yeah. yeah. Uh, then you have Knicks, experienced guy, dual threat mostly. That's a guy I'd invest in the second round. Sam Hartman, guy like him, pro style, experienced, handsome. Uh, about that. That's about it. I mean, you know, they do have Jaron Hall. I don't know how much they like him. He looked okay against the Packers and Falcons when he was in before he got a concussion. My my only issue is that 
in this Vikings offense, and especially the way Kirk Cousins played at the beginning of the season and what Josh Dobbs has been able to show in his time there, is that this offense is made oh, to support the quarterback. Very quarterback friendly. And if you're playing just okay, that's not a great sign. Yeah. So if I were the Vikings, I wouldn't have too much faith in Jaron Hall. I don't either, yeah. I'd be very willing to keep him as he's a, a six round. second rounder or second string, third string guy, but he's not he's not a guy you trust to be the next the next guy yeah. up. I'm not in love with him. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, one of my products sold on my job. I won't get fired. Yes. <laughs> Protective clear overwintering plastic film. I'm glad you won't get fired. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, looking again at the Vikings' future, going to O'Connell, that's kind of who I wanted to talk about next. He's a good coach. I like him. How much time do you think the Vikings give him to make this team a Super Bowl contender oh. before they think about His about seat him? is cold. He's not on any type of hot seat. He overachieved last year. To be that good with that bad of a defense, that defense, the Elmer's Blue Jays could have put up a solid 20 against them. I don't see why this team, to me, the guy that's on the hot seat is Defe Quaso Mensa. Mm -hmm. I don't like him. He had a bad first draft class, $21 million to Josh Oliver. And first off, why would you give that to a fourth string tight end? And the second string ten that you had on your team already is better than him. Don't understand that move still. Didn't they sign Marcus, Marcus Davenport? I think so. I haven't seen him on the field. I haven't seen him at all. They gave him $14 million. They have, yeah, they gave one year $14 million. Is he hurt? I'm guessing he's hurt or healthy scratch every week. Healthy scratch would be very unfortunate. Um... He's only played in two games this year. That was Carolina and Kansas City. So I would assume he's hurt. Okay. He had two sacks in those two games, I will say. so. IR with the ankle sprain. Okay. Well, okay, you signed a guy that wasn't good to begin with and was injury prone to begin with, and he got hurt. Mm-hmm. You gave him $14 million for one year. When you could have put money other places. That needed it. Mm-hmm. Really, all this team is missing is they need probably about – Two more offensive linemen. It, it's really, they need a left guard. They need a right guard. And you don't even need a. In my mind, you don't really need a full on like starting, top twenty guard in the league. You just need something better. And they got Dalton Reisner off the street. And not even just like better, but just depth. You depth just need you need people blocking. to back it up. Yeah. That that's their biggest issue to me. I think is that. They their depth every year just kills them. Yeah, it's a lot like the Ravens. Yeah, every year where they get their injuries, they don't have guys who can step up, or the guys that they do have stepping up are mediocre at best, and it's it it screws you over when it gets to the late late stages of the season. You have games like this, where the O line their O line looks really bad. That was part of the reason they lost that game. Actually, that was a good 80% of the reason they lost that game yesterday. If Josh Dobbs has more time, I don't think he throws four picks. No. He probably still throws two of those picks. But the last pick that was a little tip on on the screen pass, 
he probably doesn't throw that if the D-line's not in his face already. He was just trying to get rid of the ball on that one. And it just happened to not work out because the entire D-line is in his face. Where they run the same play that they just made fun of the Chicago Bears for running, basically. Yeah. You you can't you can't have that on a team that's looking to compete. A team that very much has a chance to compete this year. In the future, you can't have that. Then they need to draft a running back. They need to do something at running back. It's Alexander Madison. This was probably his best game of the season. I called it from a million miles away that he was going to be bad this year. And he was still not good. Ty Chandler has his moments. But his He's moments, a six-round pick. And his moments happen when he gets past the offensive line. He is useless at the tackles. Once he gets past it, he's very explosive. He's a small, fast guy. That's what he is. You, you, he doesn't do anything. He's beyond a punt that. returner. It's mm-hmm. basically what he is. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a guy you put in the pass plays and yeah. just get him out there. He's a Mir Abdullah. Exactly. That's a very good comp. And that's what he is. <laughs> um, so you have to figure out something else at that running back position. Literally anybody else. If I'm being completely honest with them, and I know that. Dalvin Cook hasn't played good at all this season. But Dalvin Cook is still a huge part of that offense if he's on that team still. Yeah. You saw what he's done the past few seasons in in a lot of the same system most of the time. Just keep him. I if I were them, give him another contract after this season. <laughs> you might as well cuz the Jets the Jets aren't keeping him. No, nope. that for sure. They are no. So bring him back. Yeah. He's a guy that knows the system. He's a guy that's proven he has talent. That or I'll draft one in the third round without an ounce of hesitation. Oh, easy. I think nowadays you can't really go wrong with a running back in the draft unless you're taking them in the first five picks. There's a shot you, you go wrong there. But beyond that, Every running back coming into the league, in my eyes, looks the same. They're very moldable, kind of along with the Iowa tight end thing. Every running back that's come in has some kind of moldability to them or has some kind of use to an NFL team. So just bring in somebody new. Change it up a little bit. Get rid of Alexander Madison, please. Have somebody new and Ty Chandler and maybe Dalvin Cook in there. Get a committee backfield. Do something else. <laughs> Literally yeah. anything else. It's it's an interesting team to watch. We got about five minutes until 9 o'clock here. I think we're going to take a little bit of a break. When we come back, we will be discussing some of the other games from this NFL slate this weekend, so stay tuned for that. Uh, if you guys missed any of that original Bears talk from earlier, be sure to tune in after the show on Spotify to see what you missed. But until then, we will be right back. How's everybody doing? This is Big Chuck coming at you live with WRC 88.7 FM Blue Jay Radio. And like that intro said, you are listening to the award-winning Blue Jay Boys show. I'm here with Sackman Alex Sackley. If you missed the first hour of your of our show, you missed us talking about the Chicago Bears' performance this past Monday night against the Minnesota Vikings. If you missed any of that, be sure to tune in after the show on our Spotify, uh, which is Blue Jay Boys WRSC, to hear that whole segment. 
we are going to move on. We wanted to talk about one game with you guys, the best game that we thought happened this weekend, that was the Bills versus Eagles. And after that, we wanted to have some discussions about the NFL in general and the direction that this league is going. <coughs> Starting off, let's go back to what we felt like was the best game of the weekend, the Bills of the year playing the Eagles. The Eagles winning on a last touchdown on that last drive. What, what did this game prove to you about both of these teams? To me, it proved that the Eagles are truly have the heart of a lion and the heart of a champion. I mean, they were down, what, 10 points in the second half against mm-hmm. the Bills? It looked bad. They had 43 yards passing in the first half, and they just flipped the script. I mean, they did it. For Hurts, the second half was awesome. You know, he had the two rushing touchdowns. He had the three passing touchdowns. He was just fantastic. He had a great game. His numbers aren't the most gaudy, 200 yards, a pick. Three touchdowns passing, two touchdowns rushing. He looked healthy for the first time in a while. Mm-hmm. His knee looked a lot better. His shoulders, that's no longer a thing. And, like, I mean, they proved that, hey, if you do shut down A.J. Brown, we got Devontae Smith still. Mm-hmm. Seven for 106 and a touchdown. Alameda Zacchaeus out of nowhere, 29-yard touchdown. That catch and that throw was so beautiful. It was fantastic. <laughs> Looking at this Eagles team, and to your point, um, it it proved that I think they have the best mentality out of any team in this league. Yeah. Um, Like you said, A.J. Brown, one of his down games on the season. Uh, The O-line, this was probably one of their worst games of the season. Uh, That having Lane Johnson was a late scratch in this game. Uh, Yeah, Jack Driscoll struggling in the beginning of the game. Leonard Floyd, the first two plays of the game, just made him look stupid. Why is Leonard Floyd playing at all pro level at 2023? Because that's, of course, what's going to happen with any Bears player that leaves them. Uh, you know, the run game, uh, DeAndre Swift ended with 80 yards. A lot of that came on one rush. Yeah. Um, besides that, he had probably one of his worst games of the season. Kenneth Gainwell did not look good at all. Yeah, they only gave him two carries. He 26 yards, but... And he, he was... The reason that one, well, he wasn't because they had a, the one fumble where Jalen Hurts handed it to him, then pulled it back, and then tried to hand it to him again. And he didn't really know what he was doing. Kenneth Gainwell didn't really know what was yeah. going on, so he had the fumble, and that's kind of what got him benched. Um, but beyond that, like you have to, if you're going to take the ball, you got to take the ball. That's the only thing I got to say on that. Um, their defense, this was probably one of their worst games of the season, and they still looked pretty good. Uh, Jordan Davis is an athletic freak. Jalen Carter is an athletic freak. That is a mean D-tackle duo for the next 10 years. It is terrifying. Mm. Um, It's like 660 pounds of just beef and athleticism watching jordan davis had to lie down on the field and like take a rest after that one chase down with josh allen because he was moving so fast at such a giant giant size why did he just run like a 4-4 on that play i don't know that's terrifying that's like a grizzly bear coming at you at 99 miles an hour dude um but after this game i, I have one pretty simple question it's so you. big are the Eagles the best team in the league? Without, without a doubt. They're the best team in the NFC. They're better than any of the division leaders in the AFC, in my opinion. They they beat the Chiefs. They beat the Bills, who I think are the best team in their division, even though they're not leading it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I mean, they're 10-1. They can win in many different ways. They can win a defensive slug show like they did against the Chiefs. They can win like they did earlier in the year against like the Vikings, teams like that, where they just ran for 250 yards. They can win when they throw for 400 yards. Whatever way you want to do it, we, they can do it. Mm-hmm. This game, it looked like, oh, big game on Monday night. They're going to have a letdown against the Bills. Bills are a good team. They're up 10. They're moving the ball up and down the field. Terrell Bernard had that pick. They had that fumble recovery. It was like, yeah, writing on the wall. Eagles just let one go. They have a big game next week against the 49ers. But then they just flipped the script. I mean, completely. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, best team in the league doesn't always mean your Super Bowl favorites. Are they your Super Bowl favorites, though? For me, yeah. Do you think any of those teams in the AFC could give them a run for their money going into that? The Super Chiefs Bowl? will. Uh, Jags are a complete team. Mm-hmm. Jags got a squad. I don't. The Eagles aren't going to do anything against them. The Eagles front's too good for that mediocre Dolphins O line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs, the uh, uh, the Ravens, and the Jags mm-hmm. are in that. And there's no team in the NFC that can mess with. Maybe San Francisco. It, it would be the two teams that they're playing next. Yeah. It would be San Francisco and Dallas. Dallas. Those are the only two teams that can even hang with them in the NFC. Mm-hmm. No one else can even hang with them. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, look, looking at the last half of their schedule, they have – Three games, 49ers, Cowboys, and Seahawks, which could be closer than I think a lot of people would imagine. And They're they, going to lose one of those games. And then they have a cakewalk for the last three games of the season. They're playing the Giants twice and the Cardinals once. Yeah. Okay. Um, what What is your prediction? 15-2. Mm-hmm. Which, which game do you think they lose? Cowboys. I think they're going to – they, the Eagles and <laughs> 49ers have been talking all offseason. That's going to be a physical game. Bones will be broken. There will be bruises. There will be contusions. That's gonna be. That's gonna take everything out of them. That's gonna be a fifteen-round fight. Even if it isn't a close game, it's gonna be a fifteen-round fight. Then after that, they have to go to Dallas. Who's gonna? Dallas is having a cakewalk of a schedule. They're gonna be fresh. They're gonna be motivated. They're gonna be mad. They have to go to Dallas. I think they lose that one. Mm-hmm. And then they beat Seattle in the three cakewalks. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at this team for the future, is this the next dynasty we're seeing being built in the NFL? Or is this is this the coming of the next Patriots? I would think so. The only old guy they have really is uh, Jason Kelsey. Because mm-hmm. Fletcher Cox isn't really that important anymore. Aaron Graham's still pretty good. But those two guys, you know, they're not frontline guys anymore, really. You drafted Nolan Smith to replace Graham, who's going to be a beast next year. And then D-Tackle, you're good. I mean, you got... You're real good. You're real good. You got Jordan Davis, Jalen <laughs> Carter. You got uh, Milton Williams. Uh, they'll draft another one. Other than that, I don't see anyone leaving. Mm-hmm. Everyone's young. Um, what, what about the cornerback position? That's probably been their shakiest group on the season so far. When they Slay have, and Bradbury are healthy, they're just old, but... Howie Roseman will replace him. Mm-hmm. They're a good organization. That's why I have no issue saying this. Like, they went out and they got Kevin Byard for nothing. You get 13 tackles this game. Mm-hmm. They'll just, okay, he's old. Yeah, we'll get a new one. He'll be, he'll be good. They don't miss on their draft picks. The only time they were bad at drafting is when Chip Kelly took, o- took it over from Howie Roseman. Now that's because Chip Kelly's an idiot. But... He's terrible. 
<laughs> but I have full confidence in this organization. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about dynasties, are there any teams that you say you think can compete with them for that dynasty title? Moving well, forward? the Chiefs would have something to say about that. They have their own dynasty going right now. Mm-hmm. 49ers think that they should have had a couple with how their seasons have ended and Super Bowl ended. The Cowboys keep thinking. Cowboys <laughs> think that every year is their year. <laughs> the Jags, they got the young prince, as they call him, Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Lamar is, you know, he's uh, he's knocking at, the, at it for one. Mm-hmm. Other than that, there's no one real that strikes fear in my heart. Mm-hmm. If um, I'm the Eagles. Kind of lo- looking at the other side of things, the Buffalo Bills. What do you, What do you see for their future in the next five seasons? It's not going to work out for them. This year was their last year of their championship window. After this, uh, it's it's only going to get rough because Diggs is going to get older. He might want to leave after this season, to be honest. If I were him, I would want to. Other than Diggs, you don't have anyone special on offense other than Josh Allen. They might fire McDermott. I think if they miss the playoffs, it's not a might. It, it's a for sure. Well, if I'm the Bears, I'm getting McDermott. Oh, easy. Easy. Uh, if they do fire McDermott, what's a guy that you think can take over this veteran squad and still keep them in somewhat of a championship window next season? Flores. He'll, <coughs> he'll do what McDermott couldn't do and finish de- games defensively. Mm-hmm. You look at this team, all their big games they've lost over the years, it's because their defense just... Josh Allen gave them two opportunities to go get a stop, win the game. The field goal to get the game to overtime, didn't do that. Hey, we went, we went down, yeah, we didn't get a touchdown, but we got a field goal in overtime. Go get a stop. Right down like it was a hot knife through butter. And then allowed Jalen Hurts to run for 15 yards to get the game-winning touchdown. They did that. 13-second game against the Chiefs. They Everyone wants to talk about the overtime. They had 13 seconds. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you squib it, and why didn't you just play prevent? What? Why do... Going to that game, why do people blame the coin toss so much in that game? That was solely on the defense. The defense needs to do their job. 13 seconds, bro. I know they have Tyreek Hill. He's really fast. 90% of the league is really fast. Yeah. There's a lot of receivers who are really fast. And you allowed 40 points in that game. They Defense played, the whole team played terrible against the Bengals last year, but the defense played Worse than the offense in that game, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Bengals had, th- they were missing, th- their offense line was already terrible, and they were missing three starters. They had me and you playing Gardens tackle. <laughs> and those guys smacked Max Sklarping and Jonah Williams on a torn knee or whatever. I hate Jonah Williams. <laughs> Dogged them on their home field in the snow. We said, oh, it's snowing. It's snowing. <laughs> We thought that they were going to win by 30. Because the Bills don't lose home. They Actually, in their history, franchise history, never lost a home playoff game. Hmm. And the snow, everyone was like, oh, it's a match made in heaven. DeMar Hamlin was in the stadium, even though that wasn't him, but he was in the stadium. Ma- match made in heaven. Everything's aligning. And then they just get smacked by the Bengals. Mm-hmm. What do you think it is that they just can't fix this defense? They have talent on this group. They they showed it. There's there's points in this game where 
the pass rushers look like some of the best, one of the best units in the league. And there's other times where they don't. What what is the issue with this defense? Where does it all boil down to? This year it's injuries. Tredavious, Milano, they kind of underestimated the loss of Tremaine Edmonds. Mm-hmm. That's what this year is. Previous years they didn't have that guy that can just close out a game pass rushing wise. They never had it. They had solid guys, you know, like Rosso and uh, uh, Jerry Hughes, all those guys of the world. The Harrison Phillips when he was on the team. You know, this year they got, you know, Leonard Floyd. They still have Rosso. They have Shaq Lawson, those guys of the world. They got Vaughn Miller, who I forget he's on the team every single week. I don't, I don't know what he's doing. Maybe every, every time I see him on the field, and I say it every week I watch a Bills game, I'm like, oh, forgot he was on the Bills. Forgot he was still in the league. I guess they must not be testing for cannabis anymore watching him. <laughs> um, w- with this team, and if their championship window is is gone, if you're the GM, what are you doing in the offseason? What what changes? Diggs is going to want out. So I'm trading him. Get a first for him. Mm-hmm. You draft a receiver with your first-round pick, and then you draft an offensive lineman. Who's a receiver you're targeting in this draft? Chances are they're gonna have a middle of, middle of the draft pick. At this point, yeah. Again, Malik Neighbors. Mm-hmm. If he's still there, he might not be. But I'm gonna try to get him. Uh, obviously, you're not gonna get Marvin Harrison Jr. Unless unless you trade for that pick. No, <laughs> they're not gonna do that. Come on, I take Stephon Diggs on the Chicago Bears for that first overall pick. Pull it again. <laughs> I don't want it. Uh. Who else is there? Oh, Roma Dunsey. Mm-hmm. Or the, their second guy, Jalen McMillan's a first-round pick, too. One of those guys. Yeah. Probably more so Rome, because I think Neighbors is going top ten. So probably Roma Dunsey. Do you trust Gabe Davis to then take over that number one wide receiver? No, nah, the first-round pick will be the number one. He'll have, we'll have, Gabe Davis <laughs> will be the number receiver going in, and then about day three of training camp, it's like, sorry, Gabe, you're just our number two. We love you very much, but you're our number two. Now go stand over there and run a slant. How, how do you feel about Gabe Davis? Do you think he's he's a? The, one I think of the best? he's a he's a good guy. He's a team player because they he's been blocking a lot lately. I think he's a very streaky player. He's just not a number one. He's a good number two. Mm-hmm. For a championship team, he's a number three. But for a good team, he's a number two. Mm-hmm. Um, you. If they get that number one receiver, they build up that offensive line. Where do you see this team next year? And where do you see this team in five years? Next year, I could see them being a playoff team. Five years, well, Josh Allen will be a vegetable by then. <laughs> yeah, he will be God's tastiest baby. <laughs> so I don't know where they'll be in five years. This is kind of an older team as well. I mean, their center is very old. Deion Dawkins is getting up there in age. Um, Milano and Tredavious White will be probably retired by then or just off the team. Shaq Lawson, Floyd. They're all old on defense. Norman, DeMar Hamlin. I mean, like, they're they're only building blocks on that defense for the future for two guys. Russo, who chances are he might not be there in five years, and then Ed Oliver, who chances are he might not be there in five years. Yeah, There's... There's, like, nothing to look forward to on this team. I think, personally, I feel like Josh Allen has hit his peak. Yeah. I don't think he gets any better than he is. Yeah, because he's going to start getting injured soon. Mm-hmm. 
I'm, I'm surprised <laughs> we haven't seen it more this season. I mean, if you look at this season compared to last season, it's a decline. Plain and simple. He's gone back to a lot of his bad habits that he had before last season. Last season, we thought he had fixed the bad decision-making. This year, there's been a lot of games where he's made a lot of bad decisions. Do you, do you put that on him, or do you put that on the coaching staff? Him. He's been in the same system all these years. Yeah, they don't have Dable anymore, but it's the same system. Maybe a little different here and there. It's on him. Some of those plays, it's just like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I mean, one thing, I feel like he just didn't see a guy, or they had a really tough defensive look, or he was pressured. Or he felt like he could get five more yards it, on a rush. It's just, you're looking out there, and it's just like, is this guy up there okay? Like, <laughs> like what What are you doing, buddy? <laughs> it's like when you you have, like, a you're babysitting, like, your little cousin, and then, like, he just, like, will run into the wall head first. It's like, <laughs> buddy, what are you? It's like me with my little nephew. It's like, Mateo, what are you doing there, pal? Come on now. You're not even mad. You're just like, I don't, want, I, don't want to, I don't want that to happen to you. Um, you. You had mentioned Brian Dable earlier. Brian Dable, there's a shot he gets fired by they the They better Giants. hope they lose, they lose out, and then I would just bring back Dable. Do you think... If Brian Dable comes back to this team, either as a coordinator or as the head coach, do you think that helps Josh Allen oh, anymore? Yes. Dable made him. He crafted him in stone. <laughs> he had him from his rookie year to, what, his th- fourth year? Mm-hmm. He crafted him. Mm-hmm. He grew him. Mm-hmm. He developed him. Do- does that change anything in your prediction of the next five years? Does this team get any better because of that? Do you think it's still... <laughs> It's still pretty much a fall off by that point. I think it's more so a fall off. And then with that, where where do you see Josh Allen moving forward in his career? Is he is he a lifetime bill? Is this something that you know he gets fed up with and tries to move on? Does I think move he on? might be like a better version of Stafford. Mm-hmm. The Bills are a bad organization. They've always been bad. They haven't really been good. other than this other than the early nineties. The, the four super the four falls of Buffalo. That in this little era, they've been terrible. The only other time where they were at least relevant is when OJ was running for two thousand yards in fourteen games. And then he decided to run from the police instead. So. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, they've not been a good organization. They won, I believe, an AFL title in like nineteen sixty two. They had like John Hadle throwing the ball. Ooh. Exactly. <laughs> I think their coach might have been Sid Gilman. I I don't understand you exactly. Sid Gilman was big with the Chargers. Still. But I think he started out in Buffalo. The fact that you're pulling out the Buffalo Bills head coach from 1962 is crazy. (laughs) Their, Their offensive line was very good. They called it like the electric company or something like that. Don't know the story behind that. Yeah, it was the AFL days. Wild, <laughs> wild. That documentary they made on it like 10 years ago. Oh, delightful. <laughs> um, let, let's kind of go on to our next segment that we wanted to talk about. Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, two of the top candidates for the MVP conversation. 
who who's after that and why do you think there's such a fall off? This MVP conversation is the worst one I've seen in a while. This is bad. I really can't definitively say who my MVP is right now. Like we were thinking Lamar Jackson. But then he had that game against the Browns. Very underwhelming game against the Chargers and Brandon Staley's wonderful defense on Sunday night. The first time it has ever showed up, ever. Ever. (laughs) Just to have Austin Eckler turn into Melvin Gordon fumbling the ball and Justin Herbert being the most unclutch quarterback I've ever seen. I mean, talking about the MVP conversation, going into this season and the past – the past year, Justin Herbert was supposed to be a guy that steps up. Nope. He he hasn't grown anymore. We talk about Josh Allen kind of plateauing. Justin Herbert has plateaued. He He's Carson Palmer. Justin Herbert is like that girl that you see. She's just gorgeous. Drop dead gorgeous. Then you talk to her, and you want to jump off a building. <laughs> That's what he is. You look at me, 6'6", six, six, slender. He's got some muscle on him. He can run. He can throw it like anyone else you've ever seen before. Max amount of arm talent. 99 overall arm talent. And then you just watch him. It's like, okay, wow, he played really good. But then you look at the box score. It's like, okay, he had like 250 yards and like one touchdown. And then like, he'll have a game where he is like, you know, 28 of 32 for 340 yards and four touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. But then he gets the ball down three with two and a half minutes left, and he just chokes it. Mm -hmm. Like He just has a lot of like empty stats. Mm -hmm. It's not all him, but it's just like he's so unclutch. Mm -hmm. He got like two opportunities to, hey, go win the game. You're at home. Decent field position. Go go get us a touchdown. Can't do it. He didn't do it week one. He didn't do it week two. Barely did it week three. <sighs> we can't blame Mike Lombardi anymore. Mm-hmm. They have a solid offense coordinator, Kelmore. Kelmore has done good things in this league. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. This offensive line's decent. You got Keenan Allen. Eckler, your tight ends are solid. Everett and Donald Parnum. Yeah, you would like to see more out of Quinn Johnson, but I guess it's just not going to be his year. Mm-hmm. What else? Even when he had Mike Williams, he had Mike Williams, he had Eckler, Keenan Allen last year, and I'm not blaming the 27-0 collapse on him, but. If you're a great quarterback, you go, you get that first down to run out the clock. You go, you go make that, you go run for that first down to run out the clock. Mm-hmm. You go drive that touchdown, get the field goal, put it out of reach. You don't let them come back for 27-0. You say, I'm going to go make a play. I'm going to go make that throw. I'm going to go extend that play and get this game out of reach. Put the n- nail in the coffin. Mm-hmm. He didn't do that. He didn't do that week 18 the year before against the, the Raiders. He hasn't done it his entire career. He's not clutch at all. Okay, yeah, he's extremely talented, has good stats. So what? When the moment is big, when he needs to step up, when he needs to go be that franchise guy that's worth $250 million, he doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. 
I'm tired of talking about Herbert. He's nothing special. He's like a lamer version of Matt Stafford. Looking at the rest of the league, since you're tired of talking about Herbert, we'll talk about everybody else. Um, a lot of the guys in the MVP conversation right now have some of the best offenses surrounding them. The only guy that isn't is the guy that a lot of people have as like the number two right now, and that would be Patrick Mahomes. Do you see this as a league-wide plateauing of the quarterback position? Is there just a lot of injuries at the quarterback position this year? I think year? this is a league-wide plateauing of offense. I saw, you know, when they fired Canada, they were showing the stats how they averaged 15 points a game. <coughs> and I was thinking, I was like, they're definitely 32nd. The Steelers, just in case you guys don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, sorry. And said that they were like 28th. And I was like, there's four teams averaging less than 15 points a game. Like, if you're averaging 17, you're, like, basically middle of the pack this year. Like, this is just a terrible year for offense, really. Do you think that says more about what the league is doing on defense or more about what's not happening on offense? I think it's more so what's not happening on offense. This year has been by far – because me and you pay attention to this stuff because we're both former offensive linemen. I really have not seen any good offensive line play other than, like, the Eagles, 49ers, Cowboys – well, Ravens and then at even, times. Even those teams. Lions. Even those teams. They have bad games. Like, yeah, the very Eagle, bad games. The Eagles didn't look good in this past game. The Lions haven't looked good for the past two weeks on their O line. Yeah. The Browns have shaky weeks. Yeah. You know, there's these teams that are supposed to be dominating on the offensive line, and they. Forty Nineers, they don't. True Williams look terrible. Uh huh. Packers offensive line is gone. The New York teams, we all know about them. The Raiders are bad offensive line. Whew. That that New York off both those offensive lines. I think at this point the giant the Jets one is worse. Those yeah. make me want to come know. back. I don't know. I, after watching those first few weeks of Giants football, I don't know how it could be. <laughs> Bredenson didn't want to hit anybody. Evan Neal, yeah, go flip a burger, kid. <laughs> he should be the one flipping the burger. Probably. Will you look at the Bengals. I mean, man. I didn't realize how bad their run game was. They're averaging 80 yards a game rushing the ball, and that's not even last in the league. There's three teams averaging less than 80 yards rushing. All you need to get is 20 yards a quarter. 20 yards. Two first downs. They can't even do that. Mm-hmm. I have Once I learned that, I have so much more respect for Joe Burrow now. Mm-hmm. Last week we had talked about and discussed the offensive line struggles in the NFL. What do, you, what do you think the struggles are at every position? Why why is the think, running back position dying out? Why is the wide receiver group so top-heavy? Why is the quarterback group so mid? What is happening? I think we'll start with the offensive line. I think right now we're in the golden era of edge rushers, mm-hmm. first and foremost, with Bosa brothers. You got T.J. Watt. You got Miles Garrett. You got Daniel Hunters resurrected. You got guys, you know, young guys like Sweat. And uh, Chase Young. I just want to point out. Cleo Mack is still there. If you guys Crosby. aren't appreciating what is happening at the pass rusher position yeah. right now, you will remember it for the rest of your life. You will talk about these guys for the rest of your life. We are watching a legendary like, era of football with these guys. Think about how many Pro Bowl caliber pass rushers we have right now. We got, I just like saying the Bosa because it's two and it's alphabetical. Mm-hmm. Those two. We got Miles Garrett. We got TJ Watt. Cleo Mack is still there. Max Crosby. Daniil Hunter. Montez Sweat. Chase Young went healthy. Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary, comeback player of the year, in my opinion. Michael Parsons, who might be better than all of them. 
talk about young guys, Kayvon Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchinson have had great seasons. Trevon Walker's showing some signs of it. Josh Allen has 12 sacks this year. He's the better of the Josh Allens. <laughs> That's 14 guys. And I'm sure we're probably missing one. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we're missing a ton of them, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Alex Highsmith. Jadavian mm-hmm. uh, Clowney is... If he played like this when he was 22, he would have been a Hall of Famer. If he gave this effort when he was 22 years old, he would have been a Hall of Famer. There's names that people don't really... Uchenna and Wosu is having a really good season. Samson Ibukam. Two sacks, strips, game-winning strip sack this week. Mm-hmm. The The Rams have some guy off the edge that's, like, solid. I, I forgot. They, they, it's rough for the Rams I mean, defense. I mean, going but. back to the Bills, we've talked about Leonard Floyd has had a really Nine sacks. Season. Greg Russo has had a really good season. This is, like, the best edge rusher season I've ever seen. <sighs> kind of with that, and I, I had asked you this about, like, Josh Allen. Um, is that more a result of... The actual talent of these... I think it's just a straight talent. We're in a golden era of just talented dudes. Mm-hmm. That and... You know, there's no more like weird stuff going on. There's no more that wide nine, that weird stuff they had going on in the early 2010s. 3-4, uh, I feel, is kind of taking a step back. A lot more 4-3s, two edge rushers now. And and when you're watching that, it's... To your point, there's not really the wide nines. It's literally guys beating... It's just, guys in front of him. Yeah, there's no gimmicky stuff. Straight up manhandling. It's not just being way outside. You can't use speed. It's just straight. I'm going against you, and I'm going to beat you. Mm-hmm. They're just playing football. And then you look at this, you know, interior of the offensive line. We had a lot of great centers retire in the last couple of years. We had the Pouncey retire, Rodney Hudson, uh, Alex Mack. Kelsey's on his, this is his last year. Uh, you know, guys like that. So now, other than Kelsey and Creed, it's like, who is there really? And, like, even even beyond centers, you talk about, like, the offensive guard position. There's no one special right now. There's, we've, like, Trey Smith has been one of the best offensive guards in the entire league, and he's a guy that's probably 10 years ago, middle of the pack. Yeah. Little Zach Martin average. is the best one right now. He's old. Tyler Smith is, I'll give him credit. He's having a very good year. No one's really talking about him. Other than that, it's like Quentin Nelson just really hasn't gotten back to that level he was at. You know, you talk about guys that were were missing that have retired in the past few years. You know, you're not seeing, we had mentioned him earlier, Josh Sitton in his prime. You're not seeing a Marshall Yonda in his prime. No. You're not seeing a Zach Martin in his prime. These These are guys that the league just misses Dearly, and people don't even recognize they're missing, though. Yeah. It is a tough year to be an offensive lineman. Moving moving back behind the offensive line, what's the issue with the running backs? What has changed in the past five years that has just destroyed the running back position? Well, it was the three, you know, the four horsemen of bad running back contracts. That's what killed it monetarily with Gurley. That whole Le'Veon Bell situation. I think that was the start of That's what ended it. Poor Gur- Gurley wasn't his fault. The Rams should have known that. Hey, that wasn't like a, a running back thing. That was a Todd Gurley thing. He had a bad knees in college. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they gave him that. But they could have saw that coming from a million miles away. You had that. You have the Melvin Gordon one uh, contract, which he just—that was just him, just straight fumbling. Mm-hmm. Literally and figuratively, just straight fumbling. And then, um, what's the other one that was bad? 
Uh, Zeke's. Zeke. Zeke. They just ran them to, into the dirt. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. So then you have all these guys that don't really want to play running back anymore. And then these teams, they're treating them bad. They just really start treating running backs bad. It's like, just like. At the beginning of the season, when the running backs had started not playing well, I had put most of the blame on the running backs themselves. Not a single organization has done anything to support their running backs. The only team I can think of is the 49ers, and that's only because Christian McCaffrey probably should be the MVP this season, if I'm being honest. Yeah. The way the quarterbacks are playing, Christian McCaffrey should win the MVP. But beyond that, the Titans have done everything to destroy Derrick Henry's career, and he continues to play well. He's still good. You put him on the Eagles or something like that, the Ravens should have traded for him. He's having – he's top three. The The Colts – for they they pay Jonathan Taylor even though they don't want him on the team. I could not understand that. That was simply just Ursay throwing a few back and just saying screw it. Yeah, I'm sick of dealing with all of this. I don't want to deal with this argument and him holding out anymore. Fine, give him a contract. Ursay just threw some back and said, "I got arrested because I'm a white billionaire." Mm. I mean, these teams that have maybe not the best running backs in their backfield don't don't allow their running backs to shine when they can. The Bears is a prime example. They keep running just Khalil Herbert up the middle. They keep running just Roshan Johnson up the middle. These guys have so much more talent than just being able to run up the middle. If I, The Vikings, I know Alexander Madison has not been good this season, but they just run him up the middle. Do something to help these guys out. Anything. It doesn't make any sense that these guys are so phased out of the offense. How can you win football games that way? How can you win an NFL championship that way? You need somebody to be reliable in that backfield, and you don't give the opportunity to these guys. You you force them to prove it themselves. You don't help them out at all. What are they supposed to do? Yeah. The only guy that I've seen that has made anything of his situation that wasn't until like the past three weeks is Rashad White in Tampa Bay. He's he's found a way to make plays because he's a very good running back. But they didn't give him any support in the beginning of the season. Yeah. And he's now making do with what he's got. But he's not a guy that should have to make do with what he's got. He's a mid-tier running back in the league, and he should have the support behind him, and they don't give it to him. It doesn't make any sense. How is anybody supposed to survive in this league as a running back? And then you look at... I want to talk about the wide receiver position a little bit too. It is such a top-heavy group. And then after like that top 15 to 20 receivers in the league, it is so mediocre. How do you, at the same time, and this is a question for you, how do you involve more guys in an offense? Why are teams avoiding involving more guys in an offense? Why has it become such a star? Because the stars are so me, 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 me. Like, whenever the Bills try to involve Gabe Davis, Stephon Diggs has a stroke. Whenever Devontae Smith gets the ball more than A.J. Brown, he's ready to fight everybody on the sideline, it seems like. Yeah. And whenever, uh, I mean, if Pickens doesn't get the ball every time. And he's not even that good. <laughs> all these guys are like that at this point. Uh, Tyreek Hill, two is that. He's lucky he has Tua because when, say, he had a quarterback that kind of struggles seeing it, 
he gets pissed real quick. Mm-hmm. Plus, he has Waddle on the other side, which kind of takes away from him a little bit. But really, they haven't even involved Waddle that much this year. All these guys, they're all very temperamental. What, what, what in your mind gives them that entitlement? What, what? Has- that's just the era we're in with social media. These guys doing podcasts the second after the game. It's all me, 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 me. What, what would you do as a commissioner, as a coach, to kind of change that culture in the league? It'd be like, okay, look, you can do your stuff off the field, but you don't talk about our game plan or what, how the game went the day of the game. I don't like that. I'd be like, if I was coaching, like, you're not doing that during the regular season. You can do whatever you want during the offseason, talk about whatever this and that. You're not doing that during the regular season. You're taking days, hours out of the week to go do that. Instead of watching film, recovering, rehabbing, whatever. You're doing taking two, three hours a day here and there to go do that. You're, you're Micah Parsons hopping on the mic right after the game to talk about how Tom Brady's right about how the league's mediocre, talking garbage about the rest of the league, basically, when you might not have had the best game. I haven't heard much from you, Micah. Von Miller's doing the same thing, and he hasn't been very good this season. It It's absurd to me that they get these guys feel that that entitlement. We need, we need like a like a strike almost, like yeah. something like to really show. Hey, you guys have got it pretty darn well. The rest of America is out here struggling just to buy groceries. You're getting paid forty million a year to go play football. Is that something you would change? Then would you would you find a way to change the cap space? Would you find a way to kind of make these guys earn their contracts a little bit more? How how would you go about doing that? Well, we can't do that because the players' union will never agree to that. Do you think if the fans made any noise about it, it would change anything? The fans can say whatever they want. (laughs) They continue to watch the games and continue to go to the games. Nothing will change. You could have the most angry, visceral, strong response. If you continue to give them the almighty dollar, nothing will change. Mm -hmm. Is, Is that where the boycott needs to happen then? Should the fans boycott the NFL? I don't think it's that big of an issue to where we need to boycott it, but, you know, I would like if the commissioner would be like, hey, guys, we're in the middle of, like, a societal downfall. Mm -hmm. Can you, like, you know, not complain as much? Just, you know, try to reason, you know, help the, like, you know, be thankful, Mm -hmm. give more back to the public. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of been a rough time over the, you know, the last three, four years. We had a pandemic. We have record inflation now. Uh, we are on the break of World War Three. Can you guys just, you know, be mature? And while, while all that's happening, we have millionaires sitting in their mansions complaining about how the rest of the league's not good. It, okay, you guys are the ones playing. Uh-huh. How about you get better? Make a change, yeah. How about you stop blaming coaching on everything and go out and play? Yeah, I think there's there's a few teams in the league that can blame their coaching. Every other team in the league can't can't say anything you're yeah. not giving your coaches anything to work with if you go out and you have bad effort you can't out coach bad effort you out you can't block what are you supposed to do mm-hmm. leave in four tight ends the block what are they going to do mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. um Moving forward in the league, where do you see the direction of offenses moving? Do you see a change in the way the game is played right now in the next five years? 
or is this something that we're just going to keep seeing the same kind of football being played? I think the big change happened already in terms of going from really embracing the mobile quarterback. I think we'll continue to stay that way. Uh, the only thing I could see really changing is if all this new school stuff isn't working, maybe you see some teams go back to getting under center, running the ball a little more, maybe, dare I say, having a fullback on the roster, stuff like that. Um, so I'm looking at some of these teams and they can't run the ball, but I'm like, how are you going to run the ball when you're always out of shotgun? You have one pass block, one pass catching tight end as your blocker. You don't have any type of fullback, H-back type, W, whatever. Or the teams that do have those type of players, those guys are like receivers. They're just yeah. another tight end on the field. Yeah. Watching that game last night, C.J. Ham was by far a better receiver than he ever was a blocker. Yeah. It's like, you know... Maybe we see a resurgence of like the you know the pocket passers, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of going away from the actual teams. Do you think that the rules that the NFL has implemented in the past few years, in regards to player safety, and in regards to the way players are protected on and off the field, and then the way the refereeing has been, do you see that as any part of this downfall of offenses? It's been all for the offense. Offense can't blame anything. Defense can't do anything. They can't hit you hard. They can't grab. They can't hit you when you're not look. They can. They can't do anything. So it's all on the offense. Mm-hmm. Do you do you see those rules that benefit the offense so much, kind of leaning towards the way these teams are playing and the the diminishing of the running back position, the diminishing of the well, yeah. There's no line. need to run the ball when you can just throw the ball over the middle. There's no need to block when your quarterback can just get hit a second after the play and give you 15 yards. Like, that's what's really killed the run game. You can throw it over the middle and not have to worry about anything. Mm-hmm. Not have to worry about Ray Lewis KOing your wide receiver. They're all just, all these plays are just extensions of the run game. Mm-hmm. That little quick little hitch that you throw the Debo every time. That's basically just a run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see any changes then in the rules happening? Soon, any any route. I would like to then loosen up the hitting rules. Mm-hmm. People are gonna get concussions either way, so you might as well just have fun out there. Mm-hmm. You know, fans like to see some hard hits. Mm-hmm. The legacy fans like to see hard hits. I like to see hard hits. I think, kind of to your point about concussions, and this is just an example. Like concussions as a whole are the example. Um, to your point, everybody's been getting concussions. Everybody still is getting concussions. Everyone only, started getting concussions when they put a face mask on the helmet. The only the only difference is that people are reporting it now more. Yeah. You're not changing anything by doing any of these little things. The padding in the helmet isn't going to change anything. As much as you want to try to convince us that it's going to change something, people are still going to people are going to hit harder because the helmets are like that. If you wanted to get rid of concussions, take the face mask off the helmet. People wouldn't use their heads anymore. That would be crazy. <laughs> Back in the olden days, none of those dudes got concussions. None of them died randomly of CT pulling their hair out and gluing their teeth in like Mike Webster. Mm-hmm. It all happened. The older guys say this, say they're like, yeah, we didn't use our heads for anything really. It was all you know, shoulder, body, that stuff, stuff that you can you can treat just fine when you get a little older. Mm-hmm. Not CT. It sounds stupid. It sounds old school, but. If they really wanted to, that's how you do it. Mm -hmm. Because then you can't use your head. 
<laughs> yeah, you're gonna have some gnarly face injuries here and there, but that's how it is. Go with the hockey route. Give him a face shield instead of the face mask. Something to perfect. <laughs> that's what the them. olden guys have always said. That's what the the guys that like the heads head of the NFL. They they were thinking it, but they can't do that because it'd be like, oh, it's barbaric. Mm-hmm. And and the. Uh, partnerships they have with these helmet companies yeah. and yeah. all this other money that's all tied to it. Everything boils down to money. Mm-hmm. And I think kind of with... You know, with, this this league is registered with the government as a entertainment organization. It's not a sports organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just a giant business. Mm-hmm. And every decision that is made, everything that is happening in the league nowadays all boils down to the money that's being passed around. And I think the the only way... The only way you fix fix the league, and I I would say watching football this year, this has been some of the worst NFL football I have ever watched. It's mediocre as hell. In my, in my entire 22 years of life, it is the most boring season of NFL football I have ever watched. And honestly, this is probably the most attention I've paid to an NFL season too because it's so bewildering that it's so boring. Because anyone can win it on any given day. Exactly. And... <coughs> To, the only way to fix that is to change how the money is spent, change how much money is spent. But the league will never do that. The owners have too much control in that. The players have too much control in that. Something's got to change. In for the biggest thing, and I don't think people have talked about it a lot this year because you know he hasn't been the biggest issue. But Roger Goodell, being the commissioner, he has his hands in everybody's pocket. He is making so much money from this league because of the way it's being run. Every year he gets a new big raise. Every year. And every year the league just goes down in quality of football. I think that we, need, we need a switch. I do too. I think we do at this point. He's been through too much. He's just kind of in it for, yeah, let's get in our $20 million. Yeah. I, I, again, I don't think he truly cares about the integrity of this league. and I think he used to. Mm-hmm. It got beaten out of him. It got beaten out of him with that 2011 lockout. Mm-hmm. Got beat out of him with the 2014. Everyone just decides to go beat their wives. The deflate gate. Deflate gate. Uh, the Colin Kaepernick situation. The pandemic. At this point, he's just like, oh, I've done what I can. I'm just going to ride it out till they don't want me anymore. Mm-hmm. When, when do you see that happening? When do you see the NFL trying to make a change in that? Do you see it happening I think, soon? I think Peyton Manning's going to be the next commissioner. I'd like that a lot. The league would be better if they had a guy like him. Uh, not even just like Peyton Manning. If you had a player as commissioner, I think that changes a lot of things. Yeah. Roger Goodell, as far as I know, has never played football. Maybe in like high school, that's about it. Beyond that, he doesn't know what... He's a business guy. He doesn't know what this league is really like. You need a football guy in that commissioner spot. You don't need a business guy in that commissioner spot. You know, I think I think we've seen kind of almost the downfall of baseball when Manfred took over because he wasn't a baseball guy. He's a business guy. Yeah. You need guys who understand what's happening that, in the that's league. That's how it is with all the sports. or the, Everything now is just an obvious cash grab. Why are we playing games in uh, every week in England and Germany? Cash. Why do we have three games on Thursday night and then a Friday game because Amazon Prime wants their scheduled game? Because of cash. Cash. Like, it's just like, like my grandpa has to come over to watch every Thursday night game because, like, he doesn't have Amazon Prime. He has no clue what Amazon Prime is. Like, how how is the league making money on that? There's no way the league is making money on that. 
it's getting to a point where it's just they have some games on like Peacock. Uh huh. It's like it's, this isn't even like football anymore. It's just straight business. Putting putting the games on Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon. Oh, what that crap? <laughs> yeah, it's fun, but it's so stupid. It's fun for about when, five minutes. And when you're Mitch like... Trubisky, when they the Bears just lost their playoff game, he's getting <laughs> shipped out of town. Oh, here's your MVP trophy, and the guy calls him Mick Chabunsky with the MVP. MVP. In that defense, I did vote for Mitch Trubisky. To win I that did MVP. too, but. <laughs> It was just so stupid. He didn't even deserve it. Uh-huh. That's what makes it funny. Uh-huh. It was. It's. It's the fans making fun of it. Really. Yeah. It was the. That was the ultimate meme. That was the downfall of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Mr. Trubisky winning the MVP in a playoff top. game where we scored eight points, <laughs> and we were ineffective the entire game, despite mm-hmm. our defense balling out with Manti Teo at middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. We'll we'll see what happens these past few weeks. If any games get a little more entertaining as the playoff season is coming closer, uh, the AFC is wide open. Literally half, ninety percent of the AFC is still still competing. You know we'll see we'll see better football coming up. I'm sure of it. But I want to see changes in the future beyond that. All right, folks, we are getting to the end of the show here. If you enjoyed what you heard tonight, be sure to tune in next week. We'll be here same time, same place, eight to ten p.m. on WRC eighty-eight point seven FM. Um, we only have a couple shows left in in the whole entire show. You know, I'd love to have you guys join us for these last couple episodes. I've loved being here. It's been awesome. You know, I think I think we're gonna have some great episodes coming forward. A lot better than what we're seeing from the NFL. Yeah. All right, folks. If you missed any of today's episode, I'm gonna be putting it on Spotify right after I hop off air here. So stay tuned for that. I'll post something on our Instagram. Uh, on our Instagram, let us know what you think the state of the NFL is like. How do, how do you feel about the NFL nowadays? I'd love to hear your guys' opinions. I'd love it. All right, folks. We Have will a good night. see you next week.